Wow, Josephina, I'm so thirsty right now. I feel like the last place I should be in is in the desert. Lucky for you, I know a good place that has plenty of beverage, and it's in the middle of the desert. An oasis? Where? Not an oasis. Indian Wells, and they're sponsored by Pepsi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On to Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Rabia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. All right, so welcome back to another episode of Hold On To Your Racket. We're moving into one of Josephina and I's favorite legs of the tennis season, which is the Sunshine Double, uh, Indian Wells and Miami, the two Masters 1000 tournaments. So we're really excited to discuss those and follow the tennis there um, because it is sort of the next premier uh, tennis arena in the U.S. following the U.S. Open, so we like to have that home energy, and they're also really cool locations. Um, so we are obviously excited to talk about that tennis, but we do have some hot headlines to go through first, including our second Women's History Month spotlight, which is sort of this thing that we're doing every episode that we release in March, which is Women's History Month, to shed light on female figures in the sport of tennis and the tennis industry who have made big strides for women who have been really upstanding uh, members of the community, but who you may not hear as much about compared to the Billie Jean King and the, uh, the Billie Jean Kings, the original nines, the Venus and Serenas of the tennis world. Yeah, definitely. So first, or actually second up, because last time we did uh, Carrillo. So this time we have Yvonne Gulagong, who we have definitely mentioned because of how we compared her to Ash Barty and her big win and how last year at the Wimbledon she wore an outfit inspired by Yvonne Gulagong actually. And uh, so a little bit about Yvonne is that she was a, t- or is a tennis hall of fame inductee. She was former world number one. She was a 13 time Grand Slam champion and an Olympic torchbearer. Yes, so she is of, apologies if I mispronounce this, of Wiradjuri Aborigine background. So she's um, an, an, an indigenous Australian woman. And in her, uh, sort of during her childhood, she was actually growing up in fear of being separated from her parents and relocated to these quote-unquote education camps or integration camps, as was Australian government policy at the time. And she also faced a lot of racial prejudice throughout her tennis training and her tennis career. Um, But she made history as the first tennis player of color to play in South Africa during apartheid. Yeah, and then she continued her impact even after she stopped playing tennis. So after she retired, she actually launched the um, Yvonne Gulagong Getting Started program for young girls with uh, Tennis Australia. And she's been running the Gulagong National Development Camp for Young Indigenous Children, which is a tennis camp for kids that essentially offers health, education, and employment in Indigenous communities. And she has, in addition to that, continued advocating for Indigenous rights, particularly in the sports world. So you can see it again here, like something we've talked about a lot recently on the podcast is just the overall intersectionality of issues we find within sports. And this is like a perfect epitome of that, because not only is she an incredible woman, she's an incredible Indigenous woman. And that's something that has made her shine and it kind of, it adds to her achievements because yes, she's phenomenal, but she's even more phenomenal because of all the barriers she had to face and the fact that she's working hard to break down those barriers for the future players. Exactly, even after her tennis playing career is over. And honestly, while putting this little thing together to um, honor her, 
it was so hard for us to narrow down what to include because she has so many accolades and so much work that she's done with um, Olympic committees uh, within the Australian government and Tennis Australia and with her foundation and even just within her career. Her She was a fantastic doubles player as well. So a lot to be, um, a lot to admire um, with Yvonne Goulagong-Kali. And I honestly still think up until kind of Ash Barty started coming on the scene, I had never really heard about her, um, but she definitely deserves the honor. Um, so now we're going to move into our hot headlines, which we have a few. Um, and we kind of just want to go over some of the biggest stories or most notable stories that we um, wanted to highlight in this episode, starting with uh, Polish tennis star Iga Swiatek's um, ribbon gesture that she's doing in solidarity with Ukraine at Indian Wells. So, like you said, she is Polish, and, I mean, she's doing phenomenally. She's recently risen to number four in the world rankings, which is her career high, after winning the uh, 1,000 tournament, her second 1,000 tournament in Doha. But um, before Indian Wells, she shared this um, on Instagram and on Twitter, right, as well. And essentially, it was just a, a long message in Polish, and then the caption was translated into English. And here's a part of it. It said, I am against this war and the suffering of innocent people. I want to show, even if symbolically, my solidarity with Ukraine. So I'm going to play my matches in Indian Wells with a small ribbon in the colors of the Ukrainian flag. If other players feel able to support Ukraine with this symbolic gesture, we prepared mo- more of these ribbons and can give you some. And that's just a short segment of this post, and there was so much to it. She basically wrote an entire essay, and I that just shows how profound and sincere this gesture was, because some players do things just to show, you know? But I can, t- like, you can tell by what she wrote and by what she feels relating and pertaining to the situation that she's all in it, and she's an incredible person for that. Yeah, definitely. Also considering, like, um, sort of the close ties between uh, Poland and Ukraine throughout this whole crisis is obviously you can see that Iga really feels for them and is doing what she can. Um, And even the ATP and the WTA have recently been posting a few things in solidarity. Um, They changed their social media profile pages to ribbons, kind of with, like, yellow and blue ribbons uh, to show their... Um, support for the Ukrainian people. And then also, um, Andy Murray pledged to donate all of his prize money for the rest of the year to UNICEF um, efforts, um, humanitarian aid efforts towards children in Ukraine. So really two big stars who we love, but also who have been, you know, at totally different moments in their career and totally different um, backgrounds and connections to the crisis, um, but really stepping up to help however they can. I think we also talked about last time how Sloane Stevens also said that she would be donating portions of her prize money. Obviously, Alina Sotolina um, and Diana Yastremska also said similarly, but you can really see that um, it's nice to see that the tennis world is coming together because it is such an international sport. Yeah, and I think something definitely interesting that I've seen now with, like, the Sunshine Double coming out is that for the first time, like, in the Indian Wells draw, you're seeing the uh, the neutral flag next to Russian yes. players. And I thought that was really interesting to see, like, firsthand. Cause... Yeah, I mean, right before we were preparing for this episode, I was looking up a few things about Andrei Rublev, and I was looking at his past results, and I thought there was, like, I was, like, confused, because at first I was like, why is there a flag with his doubles partner, but not with him, like, what's going on, and then it clicked to me, like, oh, like, they, they, they actually the did it. flag. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. great that they're actually taking initiative, because, I mean, if there's one thing we hate, it's empty, empty words. Yes. Um, and that's actually a perfect segue mm-hmm. into, um, a follow-up on Zverev's Acapulco incident, um, the ATP sort of f- response to it, the conclusion of their investigation and the consequences, um, that they've decided to place, although there aren't really any consequences, so perhaps there's nothing to place. And I guess the best way to sum it up is that this was a big, as they say, and as my dad called it, a slap on the wrist from the ATP to Zverev. 
Yeah, so we spoke about it in our last episode, but essentially last week at the uh, Acapulco 500, Zverev repeatedly and violently banged and smashed his racket against the umpire's chair and cursed at the umpire as well. And, I mean, it was really violent. Like, the umpire was flinching and he had to move his feet or else he would have been hit. Like, like this is bad. And he was fined... Um, $40,000, which is the maximum fine by the ATP, and defaulted from the tournament and stripped from his previously gained points at the tournament, which is um great. It's obviously not much considering this is Alexander Zverev, the number three player in the world, but considering they didn't do anything when he was accused of domestic violence, a big step from the ATP, except for the fact that they continued to do nothing. Exactly. So the initial investigation um, concluded with them deciding that Alexander Zverev had committed a major offense, and they fined him an additional additional 25000 and threatened an eight-week suspension. But that fine and suspension will only be imposed if he commits a second offense in the year following this incident. So basically, it's like, yeah, you did something really bad. But as long as you don't do it again in the next year, you're totally fine. That's that's I literally what it is. Why? And I was seeing a lot of discourse about this on Twitter that was like, this um, sentence, I guess if you want to call it, or this decision basically says you can attack an umpire as violently as you want as long as you won't do it again within a year. Yeah, and I actually saw something about this that apparently Serena Williams commented on it and said that yeah. if she did this, she would have been arrested. And no, I was before she even said that, I was thinking about it and like in terms of that like doing that, that's illegal. <laughs> he basically attacked another human. Even if yeah. he didn't technically strike him, he threatened to in front of what like more than 5,000 people. And the television? Yeah. What? Yeah. And, I mean, the, it, it's it's good that you bring up that Serena comment, because we're going to talk about that in just a bit, but it's spot on when you saw what happened to her at the in several instances, most famously the recent 2018 U.S. Open final. But, um... It, it, I just... I, I just don't... I just... This, this is becoming normal now, to let men get away with whatever, especially it's very within the ATP. When they have... Like, this was caught on camera. Everyone saw this. This was at a tournament. Um, But, I mean, time and time again, we're seeing him being dangerously violent. um, Mm -hmm. Or, if you want to say, being accused of being dangerously violent. Of really, really horrible things. And this behavior is basically being condoned. The ATP is just turning a blind eye. Like, this decision was like, wow. Like, threatening a suspension as long as you don't do it again. This in the next year. I mean, I know this is horrible to say, but I hope he does because he deserves Just to get, it. He deserves the yeah. I I know what you mean. But, but the fact, like again, that we're hoping for like these obscure things to happen just because the a- actual to get the ATP, consequences yeah just because the actual atp won't do their job like for example all we can do is like prey on his downfall in tournaments so that he loses and doesn't get more money but yeah even then like what is that just our willpower <laughs> like imagine now you're a chair umpire a ball person a camera crew member or even someone close enough to the court in the stadium at a Zverev match, how scared you'd be. Like, if I were one of those people, like, if I were a chair umpire or a ball girl or a camera woman on court with him, I would be terrified. I completely agree. And to know that the ATP doesn't care is, like... You're not, like, there's no safety net. You're just not safe, period. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move from one idiotic ATP player to another. Um, would <laughs> you like seems to tell to be us? A theme. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can only guess. It's uh, Novak Djokovic, who was. I'm so tired of reporting about <laughs> his stupid Honestly, little I dance. Was, I'm a little bit relieved 
I'm a lot relieved, actually. Because we talk about how great the vibes are without this guy, you know? And now, yeah, I see a lot like, of the people... Sunshine Double is going to be that much sunnier now. Yes. I see a lot of people being like, yes, Djokovic should be following the rules, and he's, you know, not doing the right thing, but you can't deny that. And he shouldn't be allowed to play unless he gets vaccinated, but you can't deny that tennis is better with him in it. And, like, I get that. Like, I get how, like, a real, like... I guess, like, tennis scholars or, like, or, or older fans, like, even slightly older than us might believe that. I personally am very happy with how tennis has been going Just the past, too much, like, too much the f- past few months. It's, yeah. like, fine. Yeah, I've been, like, <laughs> Nadal thriving. I don't see the problem. I literally don't see the problem. But, um, anyways, like we were saying, uh, so, essentially, Djokovic was on the Indian Wells entry list, but then was denied entry. So until Wednesday, he was on the Indian Wells and Miami entry list, but then withdrew from Indian Wells and Miami because of CDC guidelines because the U.S. requires foreign visitors to be vaccinated. But um, then he tweeted and shout out on... I don't know why I said it like that. He just put it out on Instagram, this... um, statement which is very interesting yeah he said quote while i was automatically listed in the bnp paribas open and miami open draw i knew it would be unlikely i'd be able to travel the cdc has confirmed that regulations won't be changing so i won't be able to play in the u.s good luck to those playing in these great tournaments fist bump emoji (laughs) like i don't know what to say like you it's not that you won't be able to play. You would be able to play if you just got vaccinated. And, and like, and like the fact, I don't know, the, like, the CDC has confirmed that regulations won't be changing. Like, of course they're not changing on your whim. Hello. Yeah. And it's, I find it really funny that he, like, in all these statements and things, he's, like, directly in contact with, like, the highest forms of government Yeah, somehow. I don't even, yeah, I don't know what, no. like, the CDC has confirmed. He probably just like, Googled it. honestly yeah this obviously raises questions for the u.s open although that is in a long time um i believe that roland garros and wimbledon um neither of their host countries have a vaccine mandate in place for foreign visitors so we will probably see him there um which is like whatever but not as it is. I just need the French Open without Novak Djokovic, and I'll be happy. No, no, no. But sad. in a way, though, like, don't you want Rafa to get revenge on him for beating him last year? Like, I, I want really that. I really do, but also, if I want to secure the win, <laughs> I see. It's a it's a tough tough battle. Yeah. All right, we have our last hot headline of the day, which I think is one of our most interesting ones. It was a really great interview, actually, that came out in the past week. With someone you may have heard of. I don't know if you know her. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So this is Serena Williams in her recent interview with CNN. So she recently sat down with uh, CNN's Christian Amanpour in an awesome interview, like Shravya said. And they discussed basically everything from Serena Williams, like her Grand Slam record chase, like the big... 24 right it's 24 not okay and her venture capital investments which we've spoken about like the fact that she's doing so much besides tennis and then of course her uh, movie king richard and just in general the racist and sexist double standards that she's faced throughout her career and unfortunately continues to face and that's why she intends on keeping speaking about it as she should and also the fact that she intends to play the French Open, which is great to hear because I feel like I haven't seen her in a while. I feel like I haven't seen her in a while. Her ranking has dropped quite a bit. I think she's in the 300s. Um, what? I did not know it was that bad. I th- she's in the 200s or 300s. Yeah, she's she's far down. Um, but, I mean, she had a lot. Of, there was a lot of interesting moments in this um, interview um, kind of pulling from the CNN articles highlights, we wanted to pull out a few um, quotes from that interview. Um, and in terms of what she said about her Grand Slam record, she said, I should have been at like 30 or 32 um, 
Grand Slam singles titles. I should have had it, really. I've had many opportunities to have it, but I'm not giving up. I think that's the pain that a lot of Serena Williams fans feel. The whole part of, like, I've had many, I should have had it. Like, yes, like, there are a lot of opportunities, but I like that she's still hungry. Like, she knows, but she also knows that, like, I don't think that's, like, weighing on her because I think she still believes that it could happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But also, like, the mindset just kind of upsets me. Like, should have, could have, would have. Yeah. Like, I think she should just... I wish she would appreciate her only her achievements instead of what could have happened like we do because, you know, we're pretty good fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think maybe her... I have to. I would have to look back at, like, when she actually says it, but I feel like she's very confident, so I think it's more just, like, she's accepted the fact that, like, there were some that she let slip away, but... Saying you that know, you didn't take this from me, I gave like, it to you. Like, no one else is close to her. Like, yeah, in exactly. the open era, well, I mean, Steffi Groff is, like, close, but, like, you know Not what I mean. Not that close, <laughs> yeah. Like, in the, in, yeah. Yeah, and then, obviously, like, we're going to speak about she's gone through much more than Steffi Graf to get to where she is. Um, but yeah, and, you know, speaking of, she spoke about the importance of King Richard and that focusing on her father's story. And her quote from that was, unfortunately, entering a new sport where it's predominantly, you know, white and having a dad have like this villain character when it just wasn't true just having to deal with that my entire career from day one to the very end was just really important for us to tell the truth and wow I mean it's just (laughs) the movie is so good and profound and I love how it adds this new perspective and I I think it's great that they felt that they really got a say in like what went out with this movie and what kind of perspective they gave out because it's what they've been experiencing their whole career and it's like something they haven't really been able to really show until this movie came out and then she continued to reflect on racism that she's experienced throughout her career which is obviously very unfortunate but also something that needs to be spoken about yeah and also considering Indian Wells is going on about 21 years ago in the 2001 Indian Wells tournament was where that whole incident happened um, where Serena was and Venus and uh, their father were sort of met with a lot of racial slurs, a lot of like racially motivated accusations around um, his father match fixing so that Serena could win and faking Venus's injuries so that she would pull out. This was a whole scandal in 2001 at the Indian Wells tournament. Um, but sort of since we're back. And, and they boy, both both the Williams sisters boycotted that tournament for 14 years until 2015 where they made their return. Um, considering that we're at that time again, um, it was interesting where she sort of reflected on all that racism that she's experienced saying um, something that I thought was probably my favorite quote of her whole interview uh she said at the end of the day every time we faced a challenge and every time we overcame that challenge we created venus and serena and yeah (laughs) wow i'm just goosebumps that was really good anyways as we said she not only spoke about um that like the racism that she's experienced in the field but also venture capitalism and as we said, she uh, is quite the entrepreneur and quite the businesswoman off outside of the tennis world. And after finding out that less than 2% of venture capital investments go towards women, she announced that Serena Ventures, which is her venture fund, had raised $111 million to go towards company founders with a diverse array of backgrounds. And... Um, yeah, <laughs> something really unfortunate about this is the fact that uh, when the New York Times published an article about this, they printed a photo of Venus instead of Serena along with the achievement and the article about Serena, which is incredibly disappointing and just disgusting, honestly, because it's just like you go one step forward and like, three steps back it's just 
so just so unfortunate honestly because what she did is so amazing and the fact that attention is being taken away from it because of a stupid mistake it's just like why yeah that was like that that was a bad mistake um and serena also as we were kind of talking about a bit before was talking about double standards and she was asked about the zverev incident kind of surrounding double standards around rule enforcement and she said quote there is absolutely a double standard i would probably be in jail if i did that no joke and i mean that's all like that that speaks for itself right there and i think we kind of talked about this earlier but um, this was a great interview. I mean, she ended it saying, I am who I am. I love who I am. I love the impact that I've had on people that I continue to have on people. So I think as much as Josephine and I, and I think we're speaking for a lot of young tennis fans when we say this, miss seeing Serena on court and have sort of had a lot of our, um, like she's come up in a lot of conversations and I've really been inspired by her. Um, with what all that she's done on the court, like you can already see that her impact, you know, extends far beyond just that. So let's get started with the actual tennis. And I really like that recently we've been focusing on, you know, the hot headlines. But, mm-hmm. of course, we still have to talk about the tennis. That's what the whole podcast is about, man. Off-court, on-court. It's time for the on-court. So let's get started with the WTA side. That was so hyper. <laughs> Indeed. But that's just, I mean, it feels like we were just at the Indian Wells tournament, oh, like, sure. in October. Um, so, like, I'm still on the high of Bedosa's win, but I guess we're back at it when he has to defend this title. But let's start from the top of the WTA draw. We're going to go quarter by quarter, highlight some notable seeds and players, some other um, people in the mix, including some dark horses, and then who do we think is going to be the strongest player to come through in each quarter? Um, So from the top of the WTA draw, Ash Barty is missing the Sunshine Double, which a lot of people kind of had issue with because um they were sort of like okay like she's the number one player like like you shouldn't be like missing these you shouldn't just be showing up to slams like you should be taking these like 1000s and 500 seriously as well she took Um, the last two here wait last two what she took the last two oh miami opens never mind but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But double. like, even still, yeah, I, yeah. E- e- either way, exactly. And she said it in like she said she said that her body didn't recover as she would have liked to after the Australian Open. And I was like, girl, you played like two set, like two blitz fast <laughs> sets in every single one of your matches. How old is so, she? She's like she's in young. her twenties, bro. So she needs to get over I herself. I don't know what's going on with that. We would obviously love to see the Barty party like here, um, but. Aside from that, then our next seed was Barbara Krejcikova, who is now the world number two. Barbara no. Krejcikova is the world number two <laughs> player in the world. But then she withdrew sort of last minute because of an injury. So now, this quarter is Karolina Pliskova's quarter. What a weird, right? Because Karolina Carolina Pliskova has not played any tennis this season, like <laughs> any matches this season. So I don't know what to expect from this group. Yeah, um, definitely interesting. So, notable seeds in this um, quarter include not Karolina Pliskova, <laughs> but they include <laughs> Simona Halep, Coco Goff, and yeah. So, <laughs> then we have, by the way, I said Emma Raducanu, if you didn't get that. <laughs> but essentially, first up we have Halep, who had a great run to the Dubai semifinals, and she also started off the the year with that um title which is great for her so it's nice tennis kind of rolling into this tournament and then we have Coco Goff with kind of an up and down start because she had the Adelaide final and then the Qatar quarters but then kind of like a little slump in between but either way I mean if that's her most recent result and she's doing well that's great to see but Queen is doing more than tennis guys she's a model I'm I think it's model, right? I don't think it's a sponsorship. Because at first I thought I have it was, no idea what it is. But I don't think it is. But she It's like looks the Gen Z so trifecta. Good. Who was it? She it looks was so pretty. It was Madeline, it was Madeline Klein, Klein Joshua and Joshua Bassett, Bassett and, and Coco Goff. But you know what's amazing? Like, people are going to see her. Because these people are, like, 
big in the Gen Z community, so, and they'll obviously be posting it on their platforms, but then they're going to see Coco next to them and be like, who is this? And then click on her profile and see what an amazing everything she is, and that's great for the for yeah. her in the sport, honestly. And I'm honestly shocked. A lot of my friends who don't really follow tennis know Coco Golf's name, like, even before. It's not just this campaign's doing, but, like, before that, they knew her name. So I think she is sort of in conversation, but I'm really interested to see how, especially given her social activism, which is big in Gen Z, and also just her age and her sort of cool, like, celebrity-ness but also relatability but like also an athlete like i'm excited i'm interested is everything oh my god i'm interested to see how she sort of becomes the um blueprint for what it's like to be a quote-unquote gen z celebrity in the sports world honestly because we kind of see that with joshua bassett olivia rodrigo like madeline Klein, like singing and acting that's singing and acting exactly so she's sort of making a name for herself in this like athlete role which i think is fascinating because she's really relatable like on her tiktok like social media she's killing the game so actually i love that point that you made because i can't think of anyone else who's like up to standards with her and where she is with like gen z and sports representation oh yeah no 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 no. i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure of what i said before we move into the next section i'm sure of what i said our our next player is emma raducanu the 11th seed she's only won one match this season and she has a really difficult first match um in this draw versus caroline garcia so i don't have that many expectations here um obviously we've talked a lot about sort of like the the post u.s open like it's it's a lot it 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 was a lot of good tennis at once but it's she's still obviously lacking a lot of experience so that's going to take some time and then as we said Karolina Pliskova has not played at all this season no idea what she's going to bring um but we also have some notable dark horses who honestly I think are looking potentially in better positions to make it out of this quarter than most of the seeds yeah, so we have Caroline Garcia, who, like you said, is going to beat Raducanu in the first seed, in the first round. And then we have, she made it to the Leon semis, and then had a very strong three-set win versus Yastrzemska in the first round. And then we have uh, Serana Corsea and Ann Lee. We love a little bit of Ann Lee everywhere. But um, your pick to come through is yeah my pick to come through was garcia because i think she's been playing really well recently she beat Halep recently had a great run in leon that's a really good win versus yastrzemska who's also been playing really well so especially considering like i would have otherwise picked coco but coco's also had like an up and down start to the season so i like truly do not know what's going on in this but, one. Like, i don't think it's going to be a seed what if I really joshua just, bassett I is watching her in the stands because like they live in california right they're probably there okay just be that <laughs> no, no no it could be him or madeline klein i wasn't even making an insinuation like that leave me alone no i know no <laughs> i know you were I know you were, but now I'm making that insinuation. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, let's get into the second quarter, which is Iga, the third seed, and Muguruza's, the ace seed's quarter. And this is basically Iga Sviatek's quarter. basically Iga's quarter. Yeah, it's just yeah. Iga. Like, she's the big player here with the recent Doha title and general overall, you know, dominance recently. So if she keeps her level up, Honestly, this quarter should not be a problem whatsoever. And then we have Muguruza, who's not really at her best right now. And Iga is really outshining her as, like, the top seed in this quarter. And then Alina Svitolina, the 12th seed, also not competition enough for Iga right now. And then Angelique Kerber, the 15th seed, who actually has not gone deep since the she made it to the Indian Wealth quarterfinal in 2021, which is, it's weird when I say in 2021, because I should really just say, like, six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, you know, six months is a long time in the tennis world, and she's not really someone we're expecting a lot from right now, but that's fine. We'll give her her own time. You know, we love her nonetheless. 
Yeah. Um, we also have Madison Keys in here, who obviously had a really good start of the year in Australia, but haven't seen much of her since then, so maybe she could bring some of that back, especially in front of a home crowd. So she is someone to keep an eye on, along with Clara Towson and Kaya Kanepi, two players who also made a bang in Australia. Towson has been really impressive. So um, I'm excited to see if any of them um, pose any sort of threat. Um, but... We also had Sophia Kennan, if you if you know that name, as a wild card in this section of the draw. But she already lost in the first round. She's having a really tough, really tough return. I wonder if there's something else going on. Like, is it like a mental health thing? Is it just like rustiness? Like, I don't know. Is it Motorola? And- <laughs> <laughs> okay, funny story. I was, Josephina and I had our tennis class yesterday, and I was walking in, and we have to scan, like, ID cards before we go through the door, and I was scanning one, and I was trying to, like, move the scanner so that it would, like, hit my card, and I noticed the logo on the scanner. It was, like, an M, and I was like, I've seen this logo before. No I way. I know what this logo is. No way. It's a Motorola scanner. No, we've been using that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three days a week, I have to touch that thing. No. <laughs> Um, so basically our point is this quarter is Iga's quarter indisputably unless we see something really magical from Keys or Towson Um, but I really just think it's Shuyatex and honestly I would not be sad with that she's amazing no of course not Um, yeah so then we have Badosa the returning champion the fifth seed and Annette Contivates who is the fourth seed their quarter and this is super exciting a super exciting section of the draw especially as you can see the top seeds here are Badosa and Contivate our two faves so yeah we counted six players in this quarter alone who have won a title this year already, um, including Paula Badosa, Leila Fernandez, Yelena Ostapenko, Annette Contivate, Sloane Stephens, and Amanda Anisimova. I honestly could be missing someone. Those were just the ones that came to mind when I was looking through. But, I mean, in terms of the notable seeds, Paula Badosa, obviously with her breakout season last year, she started this season with a title, hasn't been playing that great lately, and we're going to see how she deals with the sort of defending champion pressure, but the videos the WTA has been posting on its story of the photo shoot that all the players had, ATP and WTA, have been top-notch, amazing. Okay, and like, but Bedosa where are the photos? One... I know, I need to see the photos, That's, that is true, but... Um, the Bedosa you could see was like really into it and like having a lot of fun. She's like friends with literally everyone. She's someone yeah. like Contave who's like friends with everyone or like Jabor friends with anyone. We really like this kind of players because um, they sort of trio? provide that fun content. Yeah. And Paula was like killing it there. Like she was having so much fun and she seems to be in a good headspace. Um, so I do hope she could have a sort of repeat um, run of October. But then we also have Leila Fernandez here, who's coming off some good momentum as well. Yeah, so she is coming off of that Monterey title. And, you know, what's funny, she has a title and someone else, I can't remember her name, doesn't. Uh, But yeah, anyways, uh, Yelena Stepenko, she has that Dubai title and then she made it to the Qatar final. So she's actually doing really well and she's someone to look out for here. But um, then again, like we said, the other players in this quarter are very strong, so it's going to take a lot to make it out of here. And then Annette Contivate, of course, coming off of her Qatar title, Queenie. Um, Yeah. And also we have Naomi Osaka, who, of course, is... She's kind of on her way back up, I'd like to say. She just beat Sloane Stephens today, like about an hour ago in in three sets, and she looked good. Yeah, and she's spoken a lot about also how her mental health and not only her mental health, but also her attitude towards tennis has been improving yes. a lot, which which is great to see. She said something like, my headspace right now is great, something like that, but you understand the idea of it. Yeah, and that's pro- that should be the priority always. Um, and she also said that she really wants to, she, in, she was like, in the past, I don't think I've, you know, thought that I could do it or like put so much priority to it or like really focused on it but this year I really want to have a good clay season and a good run in Paris and that was really um good to hear from her 
this this section of the draw though is like really packed like we also have Amanda Anisimova who not only had that great um Australian run but also won the tiebreak tens exhibition tournament type thing Indian Wells hosted on Women's Day um and we also have a first round matchup versus with Nuria Parisas Diaz and Shelby Rogers um Parisas Diaz just made the Monterey semis and has been doing pretty well the past few months so we have a potential dark horse there as well so like this section is stacked but I think we kind of just have to go with who's been consistent this year and who's gonna like thrive in this environment and in my opinion that's either Layla Fernandez or Annette Condeby yeah I agree with that because Layla's doing really strongly but then of course Condeby is just strong overall like not just recently so um yeah and then next up we have Sabalenka and Sakari's quarters the second and sixth seeds and honestly at first I thought this was pretty packed but then I realized that it's one of those quarters where really anyone can make it out of and let's be honest first of all this is not Sabalenka's quarter quote-unquote uh she has definitely not been doing phenomenally and the other players in here are pretty good and capable of beating her right now, especially Sakari, who just made the uh, St. Petersburg finals and then the Doha semifinals recently. So she's playing some consistently decent or better than decent tennis, which is great to see. But other than Sakari, we have Jabor, the ninth seed, Elise, uh, the 20th seed, and Camila, our bestie Camila. Yes. I mean, Cami made the Guadalajara quarterfinals and then the Monterey final. It was, she had match points in that final versus Fernandez. It was a very dramatic match. Um, but still, fantastic tennis from her um, at a career high of 35. Has really good chances here. She does face her first opponent in Petra Kvitova, but Petra also hasn't been doing too fantastic, and I think this could be a big opportunity for Osorio to have a breakthrough. So it's really between Maria Sakari and Camila Osorio. Um, but I'm excited by this WTA draw, as always. I definitely think that that third quarter with Osaka, Nisimova, Fernandez, Conte Bedosa is, like, insane. Like, there is so much going on there. It's so um, sad that they put them all in one quarter, though. I know. <laughs> and, like, meanwhile, the top quarter is just, like, Garcia, Cristea. Like, like, the fact that we're screaming about Garcia is, like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting mix. But let's talk about the ATP. Yeah, so first up we have Daniel Medvedev's quarter, and oh my gosh, he's the first seed again. Uh, I love and his it. first tournament as well, starting number one. Yeah, 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 number one. I saw this weird thing that he's gonna return to number two or something like in a week or I don't know. Like I haven't heard spreading. that. It was probably you know this. What's it called? It's probably no, a salty no fan. Jo- yeah, no lay fan. Yeah, no lay salty fam. Crocs. Ugh, gosh. Stay in the fresh water. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Anyways, the notable seeds here are Tsitsipas, who's the fifth seed, Cameron Nori, the twelfth seed, RBA, the fifteenth, and Carlitos Alcaraz, the nineteenth seed. So Tsitsipas has not playing. Tsitsipas has not been playing too shabbily. You know, he made the Rotterdam finals and then the Acapulco semifinals, and Nori has been having a very underrated season. You know. He's basically unstoppable except for Rafael Nadal, but that does not even count at this point because he had that Del Rey title and then the Acapulco final where he did lose to um, Rafa. But again, that counts as a win in our book because it's just not possible right now. And then (laughs) RBA had that Doha title from like a month ago. And then Carlos Algaraz with an 8-1 record in 2022 because he had that Rio title recently and he's been doing well in other tournaments. But uh, either way, uh, as of as for dark horses, I mean Carlitos, he's not really a dark horse anymore. He's he's pretty like standard right now. Yeah, I mean we would pick Jansen Brisby as our dark horse for sure. He just won his first round match, um, reached the Dallas final, and as at a career high of forty three, so he's looking really good. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean. We gotta go with Daniil here because of his form this season. Um, but do keep an eye out if you, like, you you know, have hope for Carlos because he could, I mean, we've seen him 
do really well against these top-ranked players. And maybe, to Josephina's joy, Jensen Brooksby could make a and a breakthrough in this quarter. We'll see. But Just I think like Daniil home. and Carlos yeah. are the ones to keep an eye on here. Yes. Our next quarter is Rafael Nadal's quarter, which is obviously the man that is unstoppable this year. A 15-love start to the season. It's amazing to see um, at his age, at his at the stage of his career, he's really doing the unthinkable, but honestly, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, there's really no one in this section that I thought could really pull something against him. Um, we've got, you know, Denis Shapovalov, but, like, he's also AO quarterfinals, a slump. Dubai semis after that, and now I don't know what he's going to do because I don't know what to expect from him. And then yeah. Yannick Sinner reached the Australian Open quarterfinals, which I fully did not remember or yeah, register. I, I definitely did not register that. I, like, moment. totally forgot about that, but that's awesome. And he also got to the Dubai quarters, but we haven't really seen him play that much this season there's also Casper Ruud in this mix, um, who's sort of been, you know, I, I don't think anything. I mean, he won a 250 on clay um, in the golden swing. but Yeah, but, like, whatever. That's just Ruud doing rude things. <laughs> 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 but as for dark horses, you know, there's this guy that I want to talk about, and his name is Sebastian Corda, and he's a dark horse in this quarter. And I'd like to say that if he gets to play Nadal again, he's got him this time. Forget about it. He's got him. He has to, like, not fangirl. Yeah, and he's probably, you know like, what I mean? blushing the whole time. He's probably bright red. He's like, oh, my God, I'm playing Rafael Nadal, and yeah. I need to tell my cat all about this. <laughs> But um, other than, uh, you know, Bestie Sebi, we have Arthur Rinderneck and um, Eubanks. It's Kristen Eubanks, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Eubanks, yeah. Chris, yeah. But uh, definitely not, like, even in the Dark Horses, you can see that nobody is really, like, the names aren't really anything compared to Nadal right now. So, yeah. Yeah, so our next quarter is Alexander Zverev's quarter. Um, so Zverev, I don't want to talk about him. I just, I just don't want to talk about him. Um, Berrettini, there have been some rumors that he and Tomljanovic have broken up because some very observant people um, on tennis Twitter noticed that she unfollowed him and removed all the photos from her Instagram that he was tagged in. And later in the day, he ended up doing the same thing. And I will just say, after a lot of, uh, like, first of all, we don't know anything that goes on in their lives. Like, we can be fans of these players, but the point stands that we don't know anything that goes on in their lives. So we can't judge or make comments or come to conclusions, whatever. I've seen a lot of people saying things like, um, oh, he was too good looking for her anyways, like, what? oh, oh there, there was, there was that, but then there was also the other side where it was like, oh, he probably cheated on her, like, he's, he's, like, you know, it was gonna happen, I was like, you don't know these people, like, you don't know them, like, stop yeah. saying that kind of stuff. Only so, like, the we mis- can make comments. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> the misogyny, A, and the judgment be like yeah, those no, two like, things i just like he always comes back into the game man like no yeah, matter the like, conversation first of all isla's beautiful like yeah, stunning the whole if, point if, was that they were in each other's leagues that's why they were so yeah, exactly. like godlike exactly. they were in each other's leagues and out of everyone else exactly. <laughs> is basically the whole point um but Again, we don't know. We don't have any confirmation from then. Obviously, the fan in me wants it to be like a gems life situation where Alita and Gail broke up and then like two months later got married. Like, but that's just at the end of the day, you can only do what is best for you. We don't know these people at all. We don't know what's going on in their private life. But these conclusions and these accusations are just mean and like stupid. Yeah. So and we'll find out about it on the Netflix documentary, anyways. Exactly. So, let's just hope for both of them that they heal their wounds. And, you know, obviously Berrettini did have a good run at the Australian Open making it to the semis, but I don't know if there's much to expect from him here. Whereas his son, Felix Ogiel-Yassim, is going crazy in a good way. Yes. 
so let's go king it's time for numero dos so last time we saw him it was number one in rotterdam and then the second week it was marseille the final there which is awesome and then we have pcb in the section but like okay he's just there for place i don't know um i will never understand the obsession i just had to say that before moving on to the next person <laughs> but then we have taylor fritz and i mean even though morgan has his back and we have his back you know he's not looking too great unfortunately but we had to note him because we love him and then as for dark horses um you know we have demon he's also not doing too not shabby Wait, really yeah oh, okay good no he's not doing not shabby so he's doing shabbily if that's a word he's oh, not God, doing great um yeah and then omg we have vdz that was great so that we have, was really good thank you we have botic 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 yes let's go so we all know who's coming out of this quarter it is exactly but in reality um we should be looking at felix here because he's doing pretty great and i'm not even going to mention the other person because he literally does not exist to me or shrabium exactly um all right last quarter is rublev's quarter this would have been novak Djokovic's quarter but obviously he's not there so grigor dimitrov is now in his spot Notable seeds here, we've got Rublev, Herkach, and Diego. So Rublev, after a eh, past few months, is finally back in the winner's circle after Marseille and the Dubai 500 title, so he's looking good. Herkach hasn't had great results this year until the Dubai semis, and Diego had a pretty good golden swing with a semi and two finals, but that's clay. So it really seems like Rublev is the strongest player here. We've got Francis Tiafo coming back from injury. We have Bublik here as well. And then some dark horses, or a lot of dark horses actually, in Brandon Nakashima, Oscar Ate, Emil Rusevori, and the winner of Andy Murray and Taro Dan- Daniel. Um, but regardless of all that, I really do think that this is a Andre party um and it's really nice to see him back in the winner's circle you could see how much um the marseille and dubai titles meant to him um in terms of confidence and also with everything that's been going on and he's sort of been speaking out a lot um about the war as well so um let's see if he can i mean i I would be very happy to see him have a a good run here as well yes Thank you so much for joining us, and that is Game, Set, and Match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Bracket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next week as Indian Wells continues. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs>